0: Take your Bibles with me please to the book of 1st John as we go back there again this morning as we've been going through this book of the Bible verse by verse on Sunday mornings and this morning really we just have one verse to read but I trust that it'll make an impact on our hearts I'm in 1st John chapter 2 1 John chapter 2, our verse this morning is verse 26. 1 John chapter 2, verse 26, the Bible says, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. So we're preaching on seducers this morning and... God is letting us know, though we're saved by his marvelous grace, that there are people that will be sent along the path of our lives to get us off the road of the truth to seduce us. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Now, usually when we think of seduction, we think of just one thing or one area with physical immorality, but that's not the way the Bible uses it all the time. To be seduced is to be enticed or be deceived or lured into something. It's to uh, lead away or to attract, to try to attract you in order to lead you away from any proper behavior or position or thinking that God would have for us. The Bible is how we ought to think, but there are seducers that try to pull us away from where God wants us to be. And none of us are exempt from those seducers. And I will say this, there will never be a time where the seducers are out of this world until Jesus Christ sits upon his throne in his kingdom. He's going to Lock the devil up for a thousand years, and he's going to control that. But until that day, there will continue to be seducers in our world. So how are you going to deal with that? God forbid there would be a seducer in the congregation. You know, you can be a seducer or one that is the prey of a seducer. But nevertheless, our verse this morning says, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. So that's our message when I think about why he put verse 26 where it is, I think uh, chapter 2 has a lot of different things that God's been telling those that believe on him, things that the devil wants to seduce His pe- God's people away from. And so verse 26, you could look right up to verse number 22. He was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. I guess we could see that the Antichrist system, the spirit of Antichrist will be a seductive one that will put a question mark around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So seduction concerning the Son, you see verse 23, whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. And he goes on to say that again in verse 24. At the end of the verse, you shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. So there are seductions concerning the the Son of God, who He is. That You say, how how could someone be seduced concerning the Son of God? Well, just by telling you or trying to talk you to the the fact or or the truth or the lie, actually, that you really don't need Him. That you don't need to continue in the sun. You don't need to continue your fellowship with God. To seduce you away from that. Oh, you've got plenty of things to do in your life. You really don't need a, a close fellowship with God. You don't need a close relationship with the Lord. Uh, let, let, let's live our life this way. Because really all this stuff about the Son of God and the Father and, and the Lord, all oh, this is not real anyway. It's not something that's ever been real in your heart. And so let's remove ourselves away from that pursuit of God, that pursuit of the Son. Because He's not really all that that He's cracked up to be. He's not all that you've been told. He's not all that the preacher has said He is. The Lord Jesus isn't all that He's cracked up to be and what your parents taught. Seducers trying to pull you away from the, the Son of God. But I tell you this morning that He's still fairer than the lilies of rarest bloom. He's sweeter than honey out of the comb. He's all that my hungering spirit needs. I'd rather have Jesus. And so the seducers would say, you really don't need Him. You don't need a a real walk with God. You can live your life and just have a good life and do what you want to do. And You really don't need the Lord. Seducers will come into the life of believers to draw them away from the Son to keep them from finding their satisfaction in the Son, in God, from continuing, as he says in these verses prior, continuing in the Son and continuing in the Father in that close relationship. Sometimes it cannot just be outright denial that Jesus is the Christ. It can just be, hey, you don't really need him in your life. He's way up there in heaven. He's removed from you. He really doesn't care about you. He's not interested in your life. How many times has a seducer tried to tell a Christian that God doesn't really care about you? He, he's up in heaven. He, you're not even on his mind. And yet that's a lie of a seducer because the Bible that is true, not, the seducer's not true, but the Bible's true. And the Bible tells us this What is man that thou art mindful of him? God's mind, can you imagine how big God's mind is? I think they measured Einstein's brain. I don't know how big it is, but it couldn't have been bigger than a basketball because his head wasn't that big. (laughs) But can you imagine if you tried to measure the mind of God? And God says his mind is full of us. A seducer will lie to you and tell you that's not true. A seducer will try to pull you away from the sun and say, God didn't care about you. He's not interested in you. Because if he did, he would do this and he would do that. But but see, don't ever, don't ever conflict what God has done or has not done in your life versus what he really thinks and what's in his heart, because a lot of times we don't understand the events of life. The events of life is up is us looking. Like that little child at the feet of of its mother as mom was doing that quilt. I don't know anything about quilting, but as she was doing all that quilting, the underside of it was so ugly and had all those little where they tied the knots and the thread and all that went through. But but the child could not see from the, the maker's perspective. All the child could see was the underside of the pattern. And it didn't make any sense, and it looked ugly, and it wasn't attractive. But if the child could get in the lap of the mom who's making the quilts, looks so pretty. Seducer will say, God doesn't know what he's doing, and you don't really need him. He's not really real in your life. That's a seducer. Also, in our text, seduction can have another form. Look at verse number 25 that we read right before, verse 26 this morning, our text. He says, verse 25, and this is the promise that he has promised he hath promised us even eternal life a seducer will will tell you that the promises of god are not true they're not dependable they're not reliable so a seducer will put a question mark concerning the promises of God, the, even the, the second coming, you see, as we even go past verse twenty six and we get into verse number twenty eight, and now little children abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence uh, and not be ashamed before him at his coming, a seducer will say, "Jesus is not really coming, those are those mockers in the last time. those seducers will say, oh, they've been saying that for so many so many years and so many hundreds of years. Jesus is not coming back. Or well, the seducer will say, you don't have anything to answer to the Lord Jesus when he comes again. Seducers want to get our minds off the promises of God, off the second coming, off those promises of salvation. A seducer, he says, is going to be following on the heels of God's promise. Because he's going to talk, try to talk you out of the promise. That's what Satan did with Eve, and that's what Satan tries to do with each one of us, to seduce us. Against the promises of God. So many times seduction can be doctrinal seduction. Look at Ezekiel chapter 13. Would you go back to the Old Testament and read a verse there with me? Ezekiel chapter 13. Seduction cannot, we're going to get to the rest, but seduction can be a a doctrinal matter, a spiritual issue. To get you to change your beliefs. To turn from the promises of God. To deny the promises and the words of God. He said in Ezekiel chapter 13, there's, this is this message of these false prophets. He said, verse number 1, Ezekiel 13. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy and say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus said the Lord God, woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. He said in verse 6, They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, The Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them. And they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. He said in verse number 8, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because ye have spoken vanity and seen lies. Therefore, behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God. Verse number 10, Because... Even because they have, watch it, watch your Bible. They have seduced my people. What is this seduction? It's giving them a message that God did not say. It's giving them words that do not agree with. With what God's message is. It's things that are against the very promises and words of God. What? Watch your verse. Verse 10. Because even because they have seduced my people saying. Watch it. Peace. And there was no peace. The false message of a seducer many times. Is a positive one. Against the message of truth and judgment of God, many times in our lives, the seducer will say, "Just do what you want to do. There's, it's peace, peace, man. It's all right. Just chill, relax, live the way you want to live. It's great. Do do whatever you want to do. It's peace. You're, God just has good thoughts of you. What, what did I see?" Man, I can't remember that. I got so mad in Greenville and I saw a big billboard, huge billboard. And it had had one message on it. You know what it said? Love yourself first. That was the message. Love yourself first. Before you love your child, love yourself first. Before you love your spouse, love yourself first. You know what? That sounds so mushy and so positive. But that is such a destructive statement. The Bible says in the the last days perilous times are going to come and men shall be lovers of their own selves. You don't need to fall in love with yourself. You need to fall in love with Jesus. A seducer will say, love yourself first. It's great. Peace. Peace. God's not mad at you. God would never be mad at you. Are you crazy? Everybody gets mad. Including God. Peace. That's the the Joel Osteen message. It's all good. No, it's not all good. But the seducer says, hey, you know, if you want to live a different way than what the Word of God tells you to live, it's all peace. It's all good. It's all right. If you don't want to listen to the message of God and have your own idea, it's all right. It'll be peace. No, it won't. It'll end up bad every time. The Bible rules the world. Even against people that despise it at the end of the day, it will come out true. I was reading this morning my devotions about Eli and his sons. You know, God prophesied and told Eli he was going to destroy Eli and his house because his sons were doing wrong and he honored his sons more than he honored God and he did not not restrain them from doing evil. He just, peace, peace, just do what you want to do. But you know what? That, that message did not come to pass for, for about 15 years. Just because everything doesn't happen today doesn't mean that it's not going to happen just like God says it's going to happen. The seducer says the promises of God aren't. Now, whatever God's message is, no, no, no. Peace. And so all of these false prophets and false teachers, many times they're religious people, giving false messages these people that believe that, that water baptism saves you and water baptism washes away your salvation. That's, that's a doctrinal seduction. Life. That's pulling people away from the promise of eternal life, life. that God's given. So there's doctrinal seduction. There's do- seduction concerning salvation, the second coming, the Son of God. But I want you to look back at our text in 1 John chapter 2 because this is what we usually think about when we think about seduction. In 1 John chapter 2, the very first verse when he began this chapter, this is what he said. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye what? Sin not. One of the purposes of this little book in the Bible was to convince the people of God not to sin. A seducer will tempt you to sin. So God is constantly trying to get us to sin not, and the seducers of the world are constantly trying to get us to sin. Now we need to get the first and the last reference of the word seduce in the Bible. Would you please go to 2 Kings? You'd think you wouldn't go all the way to the Kings before you got that word, but you you do. 2 Kings chapter 21 and with your other hand if you could get revelation chapter 2 so the very first reference to seduction and the very last reference to seduction it was a seduction to sin second kings 21 with revelation chapter 2 one's a man one's a woman first seducer was a man the last seducer was a woman And both, how strangely it, it is seen, and it's not a coincidence, both of them were seducing the people of God. Listen, guys. The devil does not have to seduce people that aren't saved. They already have the nature to go that way. They're not on the right path anyway. They're going to get where they're going unless God intersects their life all they have to look forward to is damnation. They don't need to be seduced. But the people of God, both the first and the last reference in your Bible to seduce a seducer is toward the people of God. 2 Kings chapter 21. In verse 1, we're running into Manasseh. He was the worst king Israel ever had. And his daddy was the, one of the greatest kings. Can anybody explain that to me? Second Kings chapter 21, the Bible tells us in verse number nine, but they hearkened not, and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. The very king of the people of God seduced the people. It's, it's not as if they weren't doing enough wrong already. But he seduced them to do more evil. He attracted them to the basis things of, of, of depravity and sinfulness and evil. He brought, he helped them sin. He seduced them to do more evil than all the nations the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. Can you imagine that? The people that God said wipe them all out, don't let him breathe because they are so vile, they're so wicked, they're so nasty, they're so dirty. They need to be wiped off the face of the earth. And now the children of Israel are doing worse, doing more evil than those people that were driven out because they were seduced that way. Revelation chapter 2. Mm. Therefore, to him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. You let a seducer in your life. You have no idea where you wind up. You may wind up worse than the people that you've criticized all your life. You could wind up worse than the people that were despicable to you all of your life. That's the testimony of the first seducer. And then Revelation chapter 2, verse number 18, the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. That seems like a really good church, does it not? I mean, how much patience do we have? How many works do we have for the Lord? They're serving the Lord. They have faith. They have charity. Isn't that the height of the Christian life? I know that charity. Next verse, 20, notwithstanding. It's like this one thing overshadowed all these good things. Notwithstanding I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants. Do you see that in your Bible? Seduction is after the servants. It's after those that are wanting to live and please him. To seduce my servants to commit what fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now Manasseh's seduction in that first reference was to give themselves to idols and turn their life from God to turn them totally away from God. That's that seduction. You don't let's just go the way of of the most wicked whatever we can think of. Let's just help ourselves and the seduction of. Jezebel was also connected with idols, but it was more so connected with fornication. Seduction, when most of us even hear that word, we connect it with fornication. We we think about Potiphar's wife, do we not? She tried to seduce Joseph. We think of Samson and Delilah. Delilah. But but you know what the truth is about that May I, Let me read you a verse. Proverbs 12, the Bible says in verse 26, just listen to it. The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. Do you know where seduction comes from? It comes from what we, the allurement, the enticement is from what's already in there anyway. When a man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, Guys, you know, what I, you know what I believe about Joseph? I don't believe Joseph was a sodomite. I think he had normal manly desires. Because then he had a family, he had kids. He feared God. He's a young man. He's a single young man that has kept himself pure before the Lord in his life. And so along comes Potiphar's wife to seduce them, to try to pull out that part of his heart that already has a desire. You know, guys, you know, a great day in our life will be the day that we we admit that in all of us there is a wicked part. In every one of us, there's... From the pastor down to the smallest child. Amen. There is a wicked part in here. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says it. The heart of man is deceitful of all things and desperately what? Wicked. There's something wicked about every one of us. That's why we need God. And what seducers do, they try to grab a hold of that wicked part that's in all of us to pull us away. Samson gave in to Delilah because he wanted that. Right. Doesn't matter how big of a, a seductive individual she was. And Joseph did not give in to that seduction in spite of his desires because he knew that he would sin against God and he had. He had more fear of God in him than he had wicked in him. Amen. Amen. Joseph was not some superhuman, but he had more fear of God in him than he had wicked in him. Do you know what our society is today? The society that we live in today is one big seduction to fornication. 24 hours a day it is a seduction to fornication to young people to children to married people to single people to college people doesn't matter what medium it is it is all a choreographed seduction to get people to be impure in their lives. And the Bible says, don't sin. You can't stop the seducers, but you can stop the sin. Amen. Amen. Joseph didn't kill Potiphar's wife. I don't know how long that woman lived. Or what else that she did. He's not, you're not going to stop seducers, but you can stop sinning. You can say no to the seduction to sin. So when we look at, and there's so many sins, it's not just that one that we can be seduced into. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. These things write unto you concerning them that seduce you. Mark it down. Some, every person in here, the devil has someone on your trail to seduce you to do something sinful. You've got to spot the seducer. You say, preacher, you talk, God's trying to get all of us, or the devil's trying to get all of us to fornicate. Yeah, but it's bigger than that. The devil also will send somebody along to seduce you to be unthankful, to complain, to have a bad attitude. There's all types of, the devil just wants you to sin. If he can't get you with one, he'll be glad with the other one. But he says, I'm writing this unto you that you sin not. You don't have to give in to it. You don't have to listen to the seducer. You don't have to let sin infect and destroy your heart. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Watch this seduction of spirits. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, you can just say, right now, <laughs> where you're living. That's what I believe. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. There's that apostasy, is it not? We see it all over the place. Some shall depart from the faith. Why? Why? Why do they depart from the faith? Why do they leave what they've been taught all their life? Why do they leave that place of godliness and holiness? Why do they leave the church? Why do they leave right doctrine? Why? Some shall depart from the faith. Look at the next phrase. Giving heed to seducing spirits. And doctrines of devils. The reason that we are in the state of apostasy is not because people are worse than they've always been in the history of the world. It is because there's more satanic, seductive activity in the spirit world. We read in the Bible how Jesus met these devils and devil-possessed people. And I've heard people talk about, man, are they still around? We know we've got devils-possessed people. Nobody really talks about devil-possessed people anymore. Do you know what form they're in? They're in the form of seducers. Seducing spirits. The most devil-possessed person in the world is the person trying to get you to sin. And to bring you away from the faith that was delivered to the saints. And pull you away from the church. And to pull you away from loving God. And pull you away from your prayer life. And pull you away from a thankful heart. And pull you away from the people that love you, that are godly. That is the greatest devil-possessed person you'll ever meet. Their head's not going to twirl around like the exorcist. They're just going to try to get you out of church. And they have seven devils in them. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The reason that our society is the way it is, church, is because of seducing spirits. There is something supernatural and devilish that is going on right now. The events of our world are not happenstance. It is the activity of devils and seducing spirits on the television, in the internet, in the chat room, in the workplace, on, on the neighborhood street, in the political office, in everywhere, every way, shape and form. There are the seducing spirits that try to entice, to get others to sin. And to be a part of this age. Just change your doctrine. Come on, just change your lifestyle. Human nature has has been as corrupt as it has ever been since the Garden of Eden. There is nothing different about the people that lived during the Roman Empire than live right now as far as depravity. But even those people did not even know what transgenderism was. The people that worshipped Zeus and Diana, they're just as wicked as any other group of people in the world. The people that lived in the B.C. age or the people that lived in the dark ages were just as wicked of people and sinful of people in need of God as people today, but they didn't have homosexual marriage. Where, Where did this come from? The people that have lived all throughout human history, listen carefully to me, did not try to convince people not to kill animals, but it's okay to kill an unborn baby. They were just as wicked as anybody else, but they didn't do that. What's going on? Seducing spirit. And just because you have not been seduced in believing that God didn't create the world or that uh, or that marriage is bad or, not, or something that God uh, didn't say it was or you're not rejoicing in abortion or you're not exploiting your nakedness or whatever, there's still a temptation of some seducer in your life to move you from wherever you are with God in the Bible and wherever you are in your heart with the Lord. Just move a little bit. Guys, The people in 1920 were just as wicked as they are today. People are sinful. But pull a picture up of how, pull a picture up of a mass gathering of people in 1920. It's the most modest picture you've ever seen in your life. And today people are wholesale naked. I'm telling you, that is not an accident. That is not because people now are just so much worse. No, people have always been wicked. But seducers, it's all right if you want to show your body. Go ahead. It's okay. You know, they they did it down there at the office. She wore that. You can wear that. It's all right. It's okay to be immodest. Yeah, you're fuddy duddy parents and your church and the way they've lived in this society for a hundred years. Yeah, but now now we're liberated. Now we know, hey, we ought, we ought to we rejoice and, and glorify the body. Yeah. you're seduced. You have been seduced. The first thing that Adam and Eve did when God walked in the garden after they sinned was try to hide their nakedness. That's the first thing they did. They knew they were naked. They wanted to cover it up. And they were just as lost as they just got through disobeying the commandment of God that would send them to hell but they still were afraid to be naked. Do you know there is something devilish about people that are not afraid to be naked? There's something satanic about it. There is something built into a human being that says you need to put your clothes on. Man, I've been in the jungles of New Guinea, and the first thing that happens when people get saved, they start putting their clothes on. They don't even have to be told. They know they need to do that. Mm. Seduction. Maybe we do need an eye shade so people wear clothes again. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody's trying to seduce you to sin. second Timothy chapter 3 somebody's listening to the tune of this world and the tune of some devil and the bible says I'm writing this concerning them that are going to seduce you don't sin don't let them remove god and the bible and the truth and godly lifestyle out of your life don't let them change your doctrine don't let them change your lifestyle don't let them change your walk with God if you have a walk with God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, I already quoted part of this already, but I'm about finished this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And he lists all these things that are true about the generation that we live in right now that make our society so godless and so harmful. And then he drops down to verse 13. Would you look at it in the comments? He says in verse 13, But evil men and what? Seducers. Shall wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Do you see that? You say, Preacher, what a depressing message. You say it's just going to get worse. Oh, it's going to get worse and worse. (laughs) He didn't just say seduce. So he said worse and worse. Well, well uh, should we be all flipped up? Should we be all scared? And should be depressed? No, no. Evil men, seducers, shall wax worse and worse. But look at the next verse. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, that are, which are able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. He reminds them, Don't let, though those seducers are getting more and more... You just continue in that scripture that you've heard from a child. And you recognize any other voice as a seductive voice. Amen. Back to our text. This doesn't end in depression or confusion. It ends in victory. See, Sometimes I get, re- I, I get real nervous. Sometimes that wax worse and worse. I see that. You can see that. I mean, man, I remember when Disney was about a mouse. What happened? A seducing spirit. There is an agenda there. There is a purpose there. And it's going to get worse and worse. But the great thing about 1 John, 1 John is a book of victory. It's not a book where we're overwhelmed by these seducers. It's it's not a book that tells us, oh, it's going to get worse and worse. And these movements, and whether it's a celebrity or a friend or a relative or some liberal religious leader or politician that continues to drive the narrative and change people's lives and their beliefs and to get them away from God. Oh, what a terrible, it's worse and worse. But 1 John is about victory. You know what he said in this book? He says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the wall. Who you got in you, if you're saved, is bigger than the seducer. You know what he said in chapter 5? You've overcome the world. If you're born of God, you've overcome the world. This is the victory, he says. That overcometh the world, even our faith. We have a real Savior. We have a real salvation. And we have a real promise of real victory in our lives. But we've got to turn off the seducers. And those seducing spirits, that's a little s. And that verse started, now the spirit, capital S. Speaketh expressly that in the last days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to... Seducing spirits, little s. Oh, if you're saved, you've got a big s spirit versus little s seducing spirits and devil. you just got to yield your life to that spirit and let the Holy Ghost of God control your life. And that Holy Ghost of God will be a push against all the filth, all the seduction, all the control, all the worse and worse. But if you don't connect your heart with that Spirit of God and this Word of God, you are in danger of being seduced. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you.